0: I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. One of the reasons that I started this podcast was to bring together people from different backgrounds to share their experiences around delivering change and transformation. If you've been listening from the start, you will have heard that the backgrounds of the people that we have had on the podcast have been really varied. Some have been in the military, some have come down the consultancy route, whilst others have gravitated from operational roles. The common theme, however, have been the absolute thirst for projects where they can improve performance, where they can innovate and where they can maximize value. Today, I'm joined on the virtual sofa by Richard Lucas, formerly Head of Transformation and Change at SIA Partners and a director at PwC. Richard has over 30 years of cross-sector international experience, delivering large-scale organisational change for clients in asset-intensive and highly regulated industries, including oil and gas, nuclear, utilities, education, financial services, manufacturing and construction. I'm sure that you'll enjoy his direct style and engaging approach, so let me introduce you to Richard and let him explain more about his background. Hi Richard, uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, We'll get straight into it. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you got into transformation and organisation design?
1: Sure, well so I've been an independent consultant for about the last three years. Um, Prior to that I was uh, leading the transformation and change practice at Seat Partners um, and a boutique called Moulton which was acquired by Seat Partners and then I was on the leadership team for Um, energy and utilities and people and change consulting at pwc before that i won't go any further back because it just takes you back years (laughs) and years and years but that's kind of my sort of most recent most recent background Um, why did i get into it i guess well so you know how long have i been working in, in transformation is a question people ask well pretty much all of my career i guess if you go right back to being in the car industry in the 80s and 90s um then you know in sort of manufacturing consulting in the 90s and then on into the kind of consulting experience that I've had that I've just sort of talked about pretty much everything that I've, that I've been involved with has been around performance improvement. It's been around uh, change of, of some to some degree. So I suppose I've been in it for a while. Um, and, and in fact, most of most of my career, I don't think I've ever done a transactional role. Um, uh, I've, I've, I've had, um, I've, I've been close to it on occasion, but I've kind of pulled, pulled back. And I think one of the things that excites me is this whole question of inquiry and engagement and a real kind of sense of purpose around how we're trying to change the way we do things and why.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so given that then, how, how would you define transformation? Um,
1: so I think, well, first of all, I think there's a lot of misuse of the word. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you, you, only, you don't have to look too far to see a lot of things labeled as transformation that are really no more than optimization of the way we do things today. Um, and I think you know making something slightly more efficient, making something you know slight, slightly quicker um, in some ways is, uh, is, is a little bit of a misuse of, of the word. I kind of I would, I would say there are three things that constitute a transformation program. And I take I take this from some of the studies that have been done into some of the top Transformation programs of the last decade. If you read, you know, Harvard Business Review. If you look at the Harvard um, Inner Sight Group, done a lot of research in this. And you know, growth is one. So the outcome of anything that you're that you're doing is significant growth in the business, um, a redesign of your core business to deliver products in a different way or different products into different markets, um, and breakthrough financial results. So a significant performance improvement um, of a nature that 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 is turnaround or breakthrough Uh, and you know you only have to look at some um some great examples of, of of organizations that would kind of fit that that bill you know amazon web services philips moving from electricals to healthcare um changing their core business completely and the one that's kind of that that i enjoy talking about the most is um is the danish oil and gas company which was moved from from exclusively hydrocarbons to exclusively renewables and exclusively offshore wind. Um, And they did that by hiring a guy from Lego uh, to be the chief exec, and he transformed the organization with, repurposed it, actually, and galvanized everybody behind uh, a new purpose um, to be the biggest offshore player in in wind. And and they've succeeded, and the results speak, speak for themselves. Now called Orsted. Um, it's a very famous example, um, and that to, that to me kind of epitomizes what transformation really is. Um, I suppose I've been uh, fortunate enough to uh, have worked on and led a few programs that don't come up to that sort of level of, I suppose, notoriety or, 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 or fame, but actually have some of the same elements of it. So that's kind of how I would, that's how I would kind of define it. Growth redefining the core and breakthrough financials.
0: Okay, and, and you've, you've done quite a lot of work, as you say, in the sort of oil, gas and utility sectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, sectors that uh, many people would say are quite traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, how well open have they been to to change and, 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 you know, going back to that example that you were just given in the, in, the, in, in, in the Danish company there, fundamentally changing the, the, the whole operation. Um, I know you weren't involved in that, Uh, directly but you know just in your experience how open have people been to change in that sector I
1: think actually possibly more open than you'd think you know if you think about things like digital oil fields have been around for some time Mm -hmm. um you know the if you think about the way that the that organizations are now routinely bringing digital tools and digital technology into into their core operations that's been happening in oil and gas for a long time it's also been happening in um in utilities in networks and Um, And so on, Um, but I think you know inevitably with a with a highly regulated business, we've seen this in financial services. You know, financial services being disrupted fully by you know by fintechs and and so on. In highly regulated businesses, I think there is this reluctance to go to go the whole way and transform the way we're doing things. I think there is a um, there's a natural reticence and a natural recourse um, to the regulator. You certainly see that in nuclear. you know, the nuclear business, the nuclear industry is very, uh, is very highly regulated as, as we know, and it does permeate through, um, the way in which the whole, whole organization te- makes decisions, the way it works and so on. And that's, and that just is, that just is right. So what, how would you, you, you wouldn't transform, you know, EDF energy into Netflix, right? You, you can't, right? Because they operate in a very different space, um, regulated very differently, yeah. um, you know, uh. We're talking about life and limb on the one hand and we're talking about some digital content on tvs on on the other you know there's just no no comparison so so change tra- and transformation in energy and utilities i think happens slowly
0: but it is but it has it certainly has happened and and continues i think it's interesting to make the connection with financial services as you say very regulated industries um and 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 i sort of use the sort of um, description a lot of the times that the traditional organizations the um, EDFs, the Barclays of this world are the ocean liners and actually, it 's the, it's the smaller uh, new entrants the, the fintechs in the in the financial services world and of really sort of innovative new entrants into the uh, into the uh, utility space with a drive in that change um, and, and, and you would question and, and, you know, it 's a discussion uh, point i think but whether or not the ocean liners would naturally want to change or are they being driven to change by the new entrance? It's a, I'm not too sure what the answer is.
1: Yeah. And I suppose I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a sector expert by any means. I, I, I don't you know, profess to be, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, a student uh, yeah. of all this and I really enjoy, you know, understanding what are the kind of the challenges and stresses that a particular sector is under, but you've only got to look at some of the uh, smaller utilities players that have gone under without having the, you know, they haven't had the the backbone. They haven't had the underpinning. They haven't had the base to be able to be to be successful in when the market goes south. Whereas, you know, the big generators do. You know, because they clearly have the, that much more vertical integration and much more able to sustain a customer proposition. But yeah, I think it is. You know, it is interesting. I mean, my, my main. You know, I've, I've seen this over the past couple of years in or in one particular client. Um, it's a UK subsidiary of a global construction company and the sector is in building distribution and my main kind of interest is, is in how are organizations responding mm. to the challenges and shifts in, in the environment in their particular sector and I don't need to know what those shifts in, in the environment in that sector is in order to help them to do that yes. and I think um, the last two big programs that I certainly led were we were selected on on the basis that we had no history in the sector and what they wanted was they wanted some challenge, they wanted some questions that they'd not considered before. They want wanted a, you know a level of inquiry that they wouldn't get with somebody who is who had thirty years experience in that in that particular sector. Um, so I do think, for me, for transformations to be successful, I think you do have to have that outsider view, and you only got to look at Orsted, for example, with Henrik Paulson from Lego. Yeah. You know, Lego and oil and gas. Hello, but. But it's it's the same, you know. You repurpose one organization, you repurpose another. And organizations are only a collection of people um, and assets. So, um, so yeah, I think that's my main interest is in how do organizations respond to that? How quickly do they respond? Um, and my, I suppose what what I what I do now is help leadership teams to take that shift in strat- or take that shift in their environment, understand what that means for their strategy or their purpose, actually as well. And then how does that translate into action?
0: I think the, the interesting point that Ray was raised there um, was that, um, as, as you are just saying, you went into the organisation um, without any background experience in, 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 in that industry. Yep. But the strength of that was that you could do a, a real challenging review. And and, yeah. and, and where I sort of ask all the numpty questions to get right down to the core issue very, very quickly. Yeah. Where if you have got lots of background experience, then maybe you, you wouldn't want to ask those really obvious questions because it might show you up in in, in a different light. Well, that's
1: exactly right, Tony. I think there's there, a really good example of that is the is the early stages of this of this particular program. You know, what the organization wanted us to do was to come in and and you know, I suppose, qualify their organizational plans and then do some process mapping to help them understand the interface between their new operations and and the center. And actually, when you ask some searching questions around strategy, you realize that, well, actually, they don't know who their core customer is. And we ask that question, you know, right up front. So who is all this in service of, right? Tell us something about your customer base. And then who are your core customers? Mm. And they couldn't tell us. Um so, you know, I designed a, pro- a, a process, a leadership alignment process with, with for, you know, workshop heavy, but, you know, with some very, you know, sort of open um, and engaging kind of sessions <clears throat> that got people to talk about oh, their past 20 years experience of different customers and so on and so forth. And, you know, by the end of that day, I put, a, I put a hypothesis up and said, well, I've got no experience in your sector. I've listened to you for a day. Here's what I think they are. What do you think, you know, um, I may be wrong, but here's, here's, where, here's, where, I think, here's where I think you've, you've, you've got to. And it was, there was a moment of, well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, well, I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not right, you're right, because you've, you're the people who've come up with, I don't know many of these customers at all. I, I don't know who they are, I don't know what their buying habits are and so on and so forth. But, but you know, you have segmented your organization and your, your business now into these, these customer segments. Can anybody tell me the size of these markets? Hmm. Uh, well that's about between 10 and 15 billion that's about 4 to 5 billion okay so what's, why are you trying to run that 4 to 5 billion addressable market through the same operation that you're trying to address a 15 billion yeah. market and the customers are, in, are entirely different as you've described them one set of customers <laughs> are small, agile, they need you know, response, they need fast fast service they need and the others are you know high volume low margin etc cetera, etc cetera. um so you're dealing with very different customer requirements and you're trying to deliver on those very differently through the same 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 operations and one is getting in the way of the other and that's the main cause of your complexity and i go okay yeah well we think we think that's right okay so what's the answer you know and you get you keep going through this in- process of inquiry and alignment until the leadership team goes do you know what? That's actually the action that we now need to take. We now need to look very seriously at segmenting our business in the same way that our customers are segmented. And that was kind of, yeah, you know, that, that, that took up the
0: first two, two weeks. You know? Yeah, but all too often that time, that, that investment is not made and, 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 you're going down, and you go down a path that is actually the wrong route to take. Uh, so you, so why, why are we surprised that the destination that we arrive at is, isn't the right destination? Well, uh, and, and investing that time up front sometimes it, it, it's it's it, the people people feel that it's wasted time um, and we need to get into it because we we've just got signed off and we're six weeks behind schedule anyway yeah actually well, getting in and spending that time to really understand it is, is massively valuable well so it's the
1: first principle that i adopt in any in any program and i won't do a program where i won't i won't work with a client where that is not a possibility You know, so if we've already second-guessed the answer, and if all we're doing is trying to implement a solution that you've pre-selected, then I'm I'm not interested. Good luck, but and and I'm sure somebody will do that with you, but but not me. So, you know, what we we did on this particular example and the was um, we put in a series of leadership checkpoints. So every six weeks we had a a full uh, a full leadership workshop about twenty five of the extended team, and it was to make sure that we had a single so we had a one-way valve going through, through the program. There was, no, there was no going back. So once we made a decision, we then moved on to the next, next stage. So when we got to 16 weeks down the line where we're you know, iterating a detailed design with 200 people in the business running through business scenario workshops and getting their f- full engagement in the whole process, we co- we're not going back you know, on the premise and the principles that we, that we, we decided in the first 12 weeks. Crucial, absolutely crucial, um, and that, I mean that's a kind of a second point for me that people people often miss is and again the most successful programs that I that I've ever done have been uh, with full engagement of the people who are involved and engaged in in the process. First of all, you're you're helping you know, they help you to understand how things work, but but people protect what they build, right? People people are proud of. Um, a design that they they are engaged with and they they come up with. So, I think the art of the of the consultant in this is not to give people the answer. The art is to help people get to an answer that makes sense yeah. and aligns with the principles that you've 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 agreed with the leadership group, so that you've you've got this kind of golden thread of of, of uh, I suppose congruence going through going through through the program. But that's it's vital because once you start to implement. You know, if you've got a group of 200 people who are ambassadors for this and they are saying, we designed this, we think this is this is right. You know, people will will, you know, get behind that. They'll rally behind that that flag and feel that it's not being done to them, but that people,
0: their own people are you know, recommending this and leading the charge. Yeah, I think like you say it's it, they've got ownership then, haven't they? And um, once you've got ownership of something, you're much more likely to, to go with it. Uh, but sorry, Tony, what's interesting
1: is though is, is what that ownership looks like. You know, we well, I'm I'm very very explicit about about how that group or how a group like that um, demonstrates ownership. So I think we can say it's the right thing to have ownership, and but it's it's how does that manifest? Well, it manifests by. You know the people in the business standing up in front of their peers, talking about and leading them through the explanation of the design, the implementation plan, how it's going to work, what the impacts are, and so on. Rather than any so-called expert um, doing that, and or even people in in the top, you know, at the top table, much more powerful if if their peers do that. And that's that's what ownership looks like to me.
0: And, and especially if you can pick those people up. Um, who, who, are, who are the sort of strongest voices in, in, in the organisation because um, they can go one of two ways, can't they? can be very supportive or, or can be really disruptive. And if you, yeah. can get, if you can get them on side, they can take the team with them very, very quickly. You can. And I think
1: you know, having one or two epiphanies
0: right through, through this process
1: it can be very powerful. You don't want too much of it, but you want one or two people standing up saying, do you know what? I was really sceptical about this. Um, but now i'm completely on board and this is absolutely the right the right way to go but don't don't underestimate the amount of work it takes to get to that to that point you know you have to go through a process of of considerable um, evidence and evidencing the way the, wo- the way the world works today what what are the vicious circles that are operating in your business how is that how is that you know leading to a kind of a spiral of underperformance how might this change that and so on and so once you once you've gone through that process then it's 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 much. It, it doesn't just happen, you know. It's a it's a it's it,
0: it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, absolutely. So those are sort of two elements. There's the, as you say, be absolutely clear about what we're trying to do, and be clear about you know the the strategy and 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 and, and the work up front. Yeah. And then there's this, as you say, the engagement piece and 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 getting ownership within within the organisation. What what are the uh, elements do you feel are, are vital for successful change yeah there's a there's a there's a few and I think I've, I've kind of covered one
1: around the sort of engagement and iteration of the design and so bringing more agile techniques into the kind of iteration and and the you know sort of design thinking really and um, but one crucial one is to is to look at the organization and the business as a whole system mm-hmm. so but there are too many examples that've that I've seen where people think there is a magic bullet to 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 change and actually you know if only we right if only we tell people how to behave differently everything will be fine well if you don't if you don't change the metrics if you don't change how people how people are measured you will not get different behaviors and one classic example for this is this particular program we uncovered the fact that the entire business was being measured on margin Um, and what that meant was that that People at the front line, right, the, the branch managers, the people, the, the customer advisors, were more concerned with selling lower volumes of things at higher margin. You know, that margin was the thing that drove their, their customer behavior. So rather than try and grab more customer, sh- more share of the customer's wallet, rather than try and introduce them to new, to new products, etc., you know, margin drove, drove everything, even to the extent of. Of justifying headcount in in a particular operation so you know uh, what I've done is I've shown that is I've shown that by having an extra an extra salesperson I can increase the revenue in in the branch by by 20% but actually that's had no impact on margin so you're not going to continue to have that extra person we're going to take that extra person away well in a business that's suffering from declining revenue and declining market share and declining share of wallet that's madness and that's, you know, so changing, changing the metric. If you say what we want is we want the behaviors around customer service, well, you have to make sure that the metrics support that. You have to make sure that the processes and technology enable you to do that. And they were implementing an ERP. They were implementing some digital tools as well that were going to help that. Um, and you have to make sure the organization and accountability supports that as well um, so that people feel empowered uh, in their role. Their roles are meaningful and they feel empowered to do that. So we kind of took a, a whole system approach to this. Once strategy was understood, once, once we understood the direction that the firm was going into, um, then each of them was- had to examine e- each
0: element. Yeah, I was going to say, and presumably, now that you had helped them to understand that there was the, at least two different customer segments, they could have a slightly different approach potentially well, to a significantly different approach. Actually, significant.
1: I mean. I mean, this was, I suppose the leap was, was that actually what you're looking at doing is creating a separate, is creating a different business. Right. So you have to, you know, cause this business operates in, you know, where, you know, supply chain is, is the most important thing, right? So ensuring on time in full delivery, you know, your, the, the whole way you control warehousing and distribution and your, your transport network and everything else. And, and your contracts, your commercial side is completely different because you're dealing with national contractors and big, you know, public sector organisations and so on. Whereas the other side of the business was small builders, trade, retail, in some some cases retail as well. Very different, very different set of set of measures. Very different, you know. And we we went through a process of doing this with 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 the leadership team of saying, look, let's let's think about a number of different aspects to a business, and let's. See whether those aspects show up in each of these. If you were to imagine these businesses as different businesses, what would be, you know, how would they score on a, on a sort of a range of one to five in each of the, these areas? And very quickly, you realize that almost every single facet of the, of the business is different. Yeah. And so you then say, well, okay, what's the logical conclusion here? You know, what do you conclude? Yeah. Because you, know, you can't
0: conclude that you're going to continue to do it the way you do it. Yeah, because, like you say, if you if you continue to op, try to operate both uh, both sort of customer segments through the same um, delivery mechanism, you, there'd be confusion, right. wouldn't there? And and and, and 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 different measures is always difficult to to introduce multiple measures for people. I, I, absolutely, but I I think the thing
1: that not to forget here is the length of time it takes to get these things in place. So this organisation is only now. Uh, implementing and being successful and implementing a different model and different way of servicing those customers Um, and our involvement in the program finished about about a year ago after the pilot implementation so you know there's a design looks great on paper um, but until you until you're implementing until you're in in the thick of you know how does this actually work um, nothing changes but the business is now changing and it's now Starting to see an uptick in market share. Starting to see an uptick in profitability, for the first time in years. You know. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. Some of the things we did made sense.
0: What's been the most frustrating program you've been involved in, and what made it frustrating?
1: Okay, well, I think that's a really easy one. Um, <laughs> really easy one. So, um, I've, um, I've walked away from a couple actually, um, and uh, I think you. I think you were. Um, involved in one of those, and um, although it wasn't really a program as far as I was concerned, but that's one of the reasons why I walked away. Um, but I think uh, the most frustrating, and I'll, I'll contrast it with a program I did immediately afterwards, which was in exactly the opposite. Right. Um, and this was a. This, an have my like next
0: question there, then.
1: Okay. okay. Well, yeah. this was okay. This was an oil field services company that uh, one of the world's largest, operating in in you know globally. Uh, and implementing a whole raft of different operating model changes. I mean, implementing an ERP system, it's changing its headquarters. It was changing its organisation into into different regions. We were involved. I was leading the organisation design component of this, um, along with a, with a with a team of a team of folks. Um, but every design decision we took had to go through the program director, into the strategy director, and then into the CEO. I met the CEO twice in the period of nine months, and it took nine months to get what was ultimately a suboptimal design across the line. Mm -hmm. Contrast that with a program I did almost immediately afterwards, which was the group restructure for a global construction company, 11 billion pound construction company, where I was working with the CEO and the chairman, but I was working with with the CEO and the COO almost every day. Three months from start to finish in terms of design, announced to the market, and then implementation underway. completely. and that for me is um, the frustration. So you have to have in these kinds of programs the sponsorship and the engagement of the person at the top of the organisation has to be there, um, and the program has to have access. And if you put too many things in the way, you end up you end up with a with a significant compromise and and slowdown. Yeah. So that was that, that. That's how I would contrast that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that the one that we, we were both involved in, um, and they were just there was too many moving parts, wasn't there? And too many relatively significant programmes all trying to vie for number one position and, and, and uh, prioritisation and stuff. And, and uh, there wasn't a clear, I don't think, a clear enough direction in terms of how things were moving forward. And Tony, I would characterise it as a change
1: programme I think you know what the what that business was trying to do was to implement a number of changes. Yeah. Some of them regulatory, some of them, you know, business, some of them organisational. But I don't think anything that was being done was transformational. No.
0: Um,
1: and, you, you know, I think that's the that's the, the sort of frustration, and and there is a risk when you when you when you um, uh, when you um, when you don't define transformation properly. Is that actually you default into a business as usual organization, and that's what that 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 team yeah. Yeah. had become? Absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, so, if you if you sort of have to boil down all your experience into into one sort of core takeaway today, um, you know the one thing that you you ensure that you do at every engagement. Um, presumably, we've we've covered it already, but it'd just be interesting just to see what that is. So, I, I've. I've recently kind of
1: brought it right down to inquiry and engagement. So I think the, I think the word inquiry sums it up for me. So I think if, a, if a, if an organization is open to, to inquiry, so I'm going to ask some challenging questions. They might be stupid questions, but there's no such thing as a stupid question. Uh, you know, I'm doing this because I, we, we, if we're going to be successful at the end, we need to have that thread all the way through as to why are we doing this? So, so that, that, you know, an inquiry around how things work today uh, and, and so on. And then engagement. So in inquiry and then engagement, engaging a group of people who have a real stake in the business, who can really, who really understand the business and can lead the successful implementation further down the line. That, to me, are the two, those are the two prerequisites for me. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's been, for me, that's been the same for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. I, I i i think the world is shifting very quickly around us but actually some of those core principles around how you affect transformation and change in organizations are the same
0: going back to what you were saying earlier i think um if the organisation isn't open to those two things, especially the inquiry, presumably that's part of your decision making. Do I want to stay engaged or not?
1: Yeah, qualify in or out. I think um, I think that's that's right because because there are so many things that, that lead from that. You can tell a level of ambition. You know, th- this program we were, we were talking about just just now that you, you, know, you and I were involved with the level of ambition for me just wasn't there. There was no there was no sense of this is you know this is a uh, this is a breakthrough, a breakthrough program that we're trying, trying to put in place. Here. And, and that came through, you know, inquiry, asking questions about it. But, but ultimately, yeah, that's it. Uh, I would use that as a kind of a very, uh, very quick qualifying round. Yeah, great.
0: Well, thanks a lot. Um, we do occasionally get questions. Are you happy for me to collate and, and send them over? Yep. Happy Will to you? do that. Yep. I'm happy to do that. Uh, Thank you, Richard. As entertaining as ever. I'm sure that you'll be able to pick up a few nuggets from today's show. Let me know how you get on applying them in your environment. We've recently launched the Transformation Leaders Hub. This is a peer-to-peer network for changing transformation leaders to meet, share experiences, collaborate and support each other to uncover new career opportunities. One of the core principles of the Hub is to actively engage and support the community through events, networking and opening up the group direct to prospective employers so that they can engage directly with you. A real game changer. So as a change and transformation professional, why not join and get involved? It's free to join our Silver Club, so you simply have nothing to lose. See you in the clubhouse.